0: pff wire i am doug kide joined as always by brad spielberger
1: brad how are we doing today you know it's death taxes and a bunch of people that pay attention to soccer for one month a year one month every four years complaining about flopping or complaining about stoppage time or whatever Uh, a bit of an underwhelming result against wales i think the u.s should have pulled off an outright win there so we're doing all right but you know our patriotic duty was met i watched the entire match so you know go me
0: uh, yeah, I would say that I watched most of the match. I made sure to tweet out USA, USA, USA when they scored. Uh, but that was about it for my involvement in the World Cup. But I'll certainly be getting into it this year as long as the United States is good. I don't have a major rooting interest in England or any other countries that I am, um, I don't know from or whatever my my, old, my nationalities. But let's talk about NFL football, American football. And let's start off the conversation uh, with Zach Wilson and his struggles and the fact that yesterday after having one of the worst graded performances of the season at quarterback, Zach Wilson was asked if he felt like he and the offense let the defense down, um, and he said no, no, which was kind of a surprise, but I feel like those are kind of the answers that Zach Wilson gives the media I don't know for certain what he's telling, you know, other players behind the scenes or anything like that. It seems like the locker room is not, uh, according to some reports, overly pleased with Zach Wilson, but he doesn't seem to have an overly great relationship with the media. So that was my first take on that answer was that like he could be helping himself a little bit more with these answers because this is what gets spit out to the public. Maybe it's not what gets spit out to his teammates and his coaches, but this affects the way the public thinks about him.
1: Yeah, I think you hear so many concerns pre-draft for all different reasons. And of course, some, you can kind of try to shrug off, but a guy coming from a bubble at BYU to the New York media, you know, giant that that is and, and how they try to get you with gotcha questions and do all these things. But I listened to the actual audio clip. I think it's fair that Wilson really got frustrated with how the question was presented, basically saying you stunk today. It was kind of like the undertone of the question, but Again, I mean, when the Bills lost to the Jets, Josh Allen said, I stunk today. You're never going to win games when your quarterback plays like that. And so you've seen other examples of how you can go about it. The defense pitched a shutout. I mean, they, they held the Patriots to three points and lose the game because Wilson not only was his box score terrible with 77 passing yards. You look at some videos on Twitter of the throws he missed in this game, just airmailing yeah. guys over their heads or into the dirt at their feet, or there was just a screen pass to Braxton Barrios. He just threw into the stands. He was one of the worst performances I've ever seen, you know, over the last couple of years now that we watch all this film and and dive into the data. And out of, out of 36 quarterbacks with 150 passing attempts on the season, he's the 36th graded quarterback. He has been holding back a top five defense that also has good weapons on offense. You know, it's a good roster, and he is the biggest detractor on the team.
0: Yeah, he really is. And I think that, you know, it hasn't helped him that now – what is it? Two of his last three games have been against a New England Patriots defense, which ranks number one in the EPA per play against. And Bill Belichick is a head coach that has you know, historically really plagued young quarterbacks. You remember the whole Sam Darnold seeing ghosts thing in MetLife Stadium? This game was at Gillette Stadium. I don't think that Zach Wilson has been quite as bad in games that have not been against the New England Patriots. But he would still be one of the lowest graded quarterbacks in the NFL this season uh, based on his performance in those games as well. There was just like a one and a half game stretch there where it looked like he was turning the corner a little bit right after he came off of injured reserve. And obviously now that uh, has not come to fruition. He is, I think that at this point with the Jets, even beyond any drama that's in the locker room about, you know, how other teammates are perceiving him and his answers and his accountability, the Jets have to be looking towards the future at this point. And yeah, there's still a possibility that Zach Wilson could be their, their quarterback of the future. And I think that they should possibly even plan for that. But I think that they need to have better insurance behind him than Joe Flacco, Mike White, uh, Chris Strievler, because, you know, Joe Flacco played okay the first couple of weeks of the season, but he's been the third quarterback in the depth chart. Now Mike White has actually been backing up Zach Wilson and, And there are a ton of quarterbacks. We've talked about this a million times, free agent, veteran quarterbacks that the Jets absolutely should be signing this offseason to compete with Zach Wilson next year in training camp. And I feel like that's regardless of the way that Zach Wilson finishes the season because I don't think that there's a lot of consistency there for Zach Wilson. So whether that is Jimmy Garoppolo, a really high-end guy, or someone like Baker Mayfield, one of these kind of lower-end starter types, I think they need to bring in some other consistent veteran
1: to compete with, with Zach Wilson over the off season. I think you need to explore every option. I know we're now yeah. witnessing this season, Russell Wilson, obviously the big one, but the season of these big trades not going well. But I even think of a guy like Aaron Rodgers, it's hypothetically he wants right. to leave the Green Bay Packers. He obviously has the connection to LaFleur. Um, that is Mike LaFleur, the offensive coordinator for the New York Jets. And this team is built to win right now, outside of quarterback. They really are. I mean, Rogers throwing to Garrett Wilson and Corey Davis and, and Elijah Moore with decent tight ends. Once the offensive line gets healthy, you maybe get back Elijah Vera Tucker and Makai Beckton next season. And then the defense, as good as it is, and there's so many good rookie contract players. A lot of the veterans are already signed. It's not like it's a bunch of pending free agents. You know, guys like Carl Lawson, DJ Reed, they're going to be around, you know, in 2023 and going forward. So I would explore every single option available. I know. They just use the number two overall pick, but waiting too long on Sam Darnold, trying to wait that out and see if he turned a corner. I mean, Wilson's shown nothing. He's now, frankly, on a worse career trajectory than Sam Darnold, which is hard to say. And, and I get the patience, and he's had injuries, and he's only played 20-something games, but there's just no you don't see any growth. There's no like anything you can ha- hang your head on and say, oh, he's improving this area, and that gives us right. hope going forward. You know, other guys, even like Justin Fields, who has so many things to still improve on. He's showing building blocks. You're just not seeing any of that with Zach Wilson.
0: Yeah, and there needs to be some sort of contingency in place. And like you said, yeah, it could be a high-end guy like Aaron Rodgers. Derek Carr could be available via trade. Tom Brady's a free agent. You know, I I know that uh, recently, at least, at least one of his kids was living in New York. I know that Patriots fans wouldn't really want to think about Tom Brady playing for the New York Jets. But, I mean, I think that, yeah, all options should be on the table, whether it is... Just a guy like you know, I guess the the lowest um, the lowest option would be like bring in Jacoby Brissett to be a guy that can compete with Zach Wilson that you can throw in there as a starter. I think Jacoby Brissett's played pretty well for the brown uh, for the Browns this season. So just like some other option who could carry that team to 9 or 10 wins, and then obviously, like we've said, the higher-end options like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Derek Carr, I do think that Jimmy Garoppolo is kind of the perfect fit there um, for everything that's going on. Obviously, he's played in Mike Fleur's system in San Francisco, but that's the big thing to me is that you see the success that Tua Tagovailoa is having right now in Mike McDaniel's system. Zach Wilson is playing in the same offense right now. And yeah, he doesn't have Tyree Kale. He doesn't have Jalen Waddle, but it's not like the Jets are devoid of talent on offense. They've got Garrett Wilson. They've got Elijah Moore. I know that Corey Davis is hurt right now, but he's on that roster. Denzel Mims, they've got some pretty decent tight ends and running backs. It's not like he's playing on the, 2013 Patriots or something like that was some like he's not playing on the bears. I guess I would say a team that's, that's more devoid of talent. He's got some talent on that roster. They've spent high draft picks on players. They've spent money on players. The offensive line situation was kind of a mess still kind of is, but it's at least improved. I don't think that there's really an excuse for how poorly Zach Wilson is playing at this point.
1: Not at all. Again, we always talk about this. It's all about expectations and and where you measure things against those expectations. I'm not saying he needs to be going for 350 a week and a couple touchdowns, but I mean, literally not an NFL caliber quarterback this past game on Sunday. And yes, the Patriots are number one in EPA per play allowed by a decent margin in the NFL right now. I totally get that. I know it was a little bit windy in this game. It's in New England. It's against Bill Belichick, all those things. Doesn't really matter. Seventy-seven passing yards, and also you're, you're missing guys even when they are open. That's the thing, too. It's like if he hit the easy throws, but was struggling with some of the you know tight window stuff, or if Bill Belichick was showing a bunch of—I'm sure he did show a bunch of different things—and he was seeing ghosts just like Sam Darnold, you know, infamously. But it wasn't just that. It was you I mean fundamental slants and and guys in the flat and just basic football. He was unable to you know uh, complete those passes
0: the Patriots offense was also pretty anemic in this game. They only had a field goal and a uh, punt return for a touchdown, but Mac Jones was completing 85% of his passes out there threw for like 250 yards. So, and the Jets defense is also really good. Like the Patriots and Jets are one and two in EPA per play against this season. Those teams are really good on defense. And like the Jets offense was just, completely lifeless even more so than the patriots out there let's get into our first segment here fresh off the wire let's talk about some news that has been hitting the nfl and there is a ton of it so uh let's begin actually broncos waived running back melvin gordon that in itself in a vacuum is not the most surprising piece of news but it is surprising when javante williams is out for the season on ir Chase Edmonds in a walking boot on crutches right now. looks like he could miss some time. And then they've basically got what Latavius Murray, um, uh, uh, Marlon Mack, and. Um, uh, Devin Azigbo the,
1: is on the practice squad.
0: Yes. And Devin Azigbo is on the practice squad. Mike Boone is on injured reserve. They didn't leave themselves with a lot of options by waiving Melvin Gordon, but it just seemed like this was the time and place for them to finally part ways with Melvin Gordon because it wasn't working out well for him mm-hmm. and Denver.
1: Yeah, there's obviously been tension there and strife and the fumbles have just been, you know, constant and they just can't afford them. They obviously keep losing these games. They probably would have beaten the Raiders both times they played if Melvin Gordon didn't have kind of a backbreaking fumble. So yep. maybe it was the last straw and just a frustrating, you know, again, loss in overtime. They just cannot, they would now, again, we make this, this stat every week, but they would be nine and one if they scored 18 offensive points and regulation of every game they played this year, which is insane considering they've done that so few times with Russell Wilson. But yeah, this is, interesting to me I, I get the fumbles are a problem melvin gordon is not the player he once was but i do think a handful of teams good teams look the Kansas city chiefs yes isaiah pacheco is breaking out but he is purely a downfield runner they don't want to throw him the ball gordon's been kind of that third down back can, can pass protect can catch the ball to the backfield it would be his third afc west team kind of an interesting thought there the ravens you know gus edwards still not playing uh, we don't know about jk dobbins Kenyon drake's been solid justice hill is kind of that third down back but you know, they could make sense. Potentially the jets, we just talked about, uh, I mean, James Robinson barely playing after they traded for him. I'm not really sure what's going on there. He had, I want to say like five carries for seven yards or something against the Patriots. Uh, That's wrong, but it was, it was like that. Uh, So it (laughs) it was not a lot. So yeah, there are a handful of teams that I think actually could use a solid at the least third down red zone type back, but he does have to stop fumbling the football.
0: No, absolutely. Yeah. I think that he'll find a home somewhere, uh, whether it's, you know, him being claimed off waivers, him being signed after clearing waivers with the practice squad rules the way they are. Wouldn't be surprised if he was one of those guys that, you know, started out on the practice squad at this point um, and then got elevated to the roster if he does clear waivers. But now he just enters that fold of those veteran running backs that I, don't, I think will kind of have a hard time sticking on one team for too long. Um, and it's pretty crazy how, how far his you know career arc has fallen over the last couple of years. All right, let's get into some guys who will begin practicing soon. Detroit Lions have opened Jamison Williams' uh, practice window. That means that they are designated him, designated him to return from the pup list. Opens up the 21 day window for him to be activated. That's pretty big for a Lions offense that has shown a lot of life this season. Jared Goff did not play well. Uh, this weekend but the Lions still were able to beat the New York Giants and yeah maybe the Lions can make a little bit of a push here moving forward with Jamison Williams back in the offense and you know a lot of rookie wide receivers have played well this season Jamison Williams uh, obviously one of the most highly regarded in this year's draft and I'm curious to see how they can get him implemented into that offense because he was probably the best deep threat in the NFL draft this year. Just had a great way of tracking deep balls and being able to maintain his speed through the catch uh, to make it, you know, an 80 yard touchdown rather than just a 20, 30 yard pickup.
1: I think that's an element this Detroit team needs right now. I mean, yes, DJ Chark is a 4-4 guy at 6-4 and, and can take the top off of defense every once in a while. Khalif Raymond has some speed as well, but no one is Jameson Williams on this team. And I think you have him commanding attention. It opens things up even further for Amon Ross St. Brown, who has two good games in a row now. And also, I mean, not that you should, every player is different, but every single first round receiver in this class, now Traylon Burks comes back, has 111 receiving yards his first game back. Jahan Dotson's made some key catches since returning from you know injured reserve as well or just being out for a while. like All these guys look like hits so far, and the Lions traded from 32 up to 12 to go get Jamison Williams, so they're obviously very high on him. I think they've been very patient with his recovery, and I think, look, the Lions are top 15 in the NFL in e per play on offense for the season, top 10 since week six. They're playing good football on offense. The defense actually playing some better ball. Going into a big Thursday matchup with Buffalo. But yeah, I mean, he coming in could make them a legitimately top 10 offense the rest of the way. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but I think right. they're they, they, the rest of their schedule is not too difficult. They have the Bears again. They have a couple other easy games remaining after Buffalo on Thursday, that is. Um, they could hover somehow get back to 500 after their, what, one in five start or whatever it was. The Cincinnati Bengals seemingly have not missed
0: Jamar Chase a whole lot. T. Higgins has taken over the mantle as the Bengals' number one wide receiver, but it seems like the Bengals should be able to get Jamar Chase back in their offense soon as well.
1: Yeah, they've been, you know, T Higgins and Tyler Boyd have done great. Tyler Boyd leads the NFL with 505 receiving yards out of the slot. Hasn't dropped a pass in the regular season. In the last two seasons, it's over 142 targets over the middle with zero drops. So, you know, le- leads all slot receivers and receiving yards out of the slot. Specifically, they have been able to overcome it. But I do think with some big games ahead, you want to get Jamar Chase back in the fold, of course, uh, to, to continue to open up that offense. Because, look, their defense is bad. It's a, it's a problem now. The Pittsburgh Steelers on the ground and through the air kind of did whatever they wanted i mean kenny pickett yeah. looked pretty good at a couple nice downfield throws of george pickens george pickens was open with five yards of separation on like every drop bag it seemed when i was watching the game so with their lack of talent in the secondary they're gonna have to win some shootouts down the stretch and i think that obviously you know jamar chase does goes a long way in helping that uh, we'll get into this a little bit later but kyler murray reportedly will not play tonight
0: i called it on cliff kingsbury saying that Tyler Murray was a game time decision. What was that? Two weeks ago now, initially. Now we're two weeks later, still calling him a game time decision, not going to play. Never trust Cliff Kingsbury when he says that a player is going to be a game time decision, because all that really means is that at some point in the future, that player is going to be a game time decision because there's no way two weeks ago that Kyler Murray was a game time decision when he's still not ready to play this week. uh, Deandre Hopkins likely will play in that game. Um, uh, yeah, and then Kyler Murray also could miss next week as
1: well. Yeah, I was waiting for the, the last part. So not yes. only is he not going to play tonight, he might not play again in Week Twelve. So your Cliff Kingsbury, you know, snooping is was was spot on. It now leads me to believe also, Mark, Marquise Brown officially not playing tonight in Mexico. Right. I doubt he plays Week Twelve either, given the you know our new not new. You, your Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> snooping so. Interesting thing here is, look, Kyler Murray is obviously better than Colt McCoy. I'm not breaking any news there, but his 14 turnover-worthy plays, his top five in the NFL this year, Colt McCoy had zero against a good Los Angeles Rams defense. He just fed DeAndre Hopkins and Rondell Moore. Uh, Hopkins had 11 targets, Moore had nine. He just kept it simple. This offensive line for the Cardinals is banged up and just not a good unit to begin with, especially along the interior. So he's probably going to be running for his life tonight. He had a knee injury this week as well. He's not on the injury report, but he was limited in practice. That spread is now Cardinals plus 10 in Mexico City might not be enough, uh, even with, you know, a full 10 points. But you know, the one upside, I think, is McCoy is, you know, he's been around this long for a reason. He's won a bunch of games for the Giants and for, and for the Cardinals for a reason. He's going to protect the football, be a quote unquote game manager. And maybe that helps against the Niners defense.
0: Yeah, it certainly could. I, uh, we'll talk about this a little bit later when we talk about the game. But I do think, as I mentioned in the last week's show, that it should help that the 49ers spent a week in Colorado Springs, and the Cardinals did not. Bears quarterback Justin Fields getting tests on his injured left shoulder. Um, Matt Uberflu said that he is day to day, but also wouldn't rule out the possibility that's a season ending injury. Sounds like there are some major test results that the Bears have to get back on Justin Fields, but. Uh, that would certainly be a tough way for the Bears season uh, to end without quarterback Justin Fields. But um, yeah, he's shown a lot of promise so far. So there's obviously still a lot of hope for the future for the Bears, even if uh, that, that those test results do come back
1: bad. Uh, so I sent you the tweet where Ibra Flus, I went back and saw the video. It's kind of the way the questions presented. They were like, can you right. rule out the, you know, so I do think he's probably going to play again this season, but to be honest, and also, when you look at the moves the Bears made at the trade deadline, yes, they did bring in Chase Claypool. But again, I'm not going to use the word tanking, but they wouldn't mind having, they're currently right. slated to pick number three overall in the draft. The Raiders win this past week. Look, with potentially three quarterbacks going one, two, three, that of course being Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, and Will Levis, Chicago's probably not going to take a quarterback, but you could trade down for a massive haul, <laughs> excuse me, especially with a lot of teams that do need quarterback like the Indianapolis Colts and uh, some teams that are going to be picking probably right. closer to the eight to 15 range. When you go back historically and look at the best trade returns, that's where it is. When yeah. teams like the Rams coming up from 15 to one for Goff, the Eagles coming from eight to two for Carson Wentz, just some recent examples. Those trade values are so much better than even Josh Allen in 2018 from 12 to seven for the Buffalo bills. They gave two second round picks to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, It is, it's a massive, massive value add potential if they do lose out. Um, The Jets also have maybe the best defensive line in the NFL. So Fields was running for his life against the Atlanta Falcons, who have one of the worst defensive lines in the NFL. It can can only imagine how bad it would be against the Jets. Other side of the coin, the Bears defense is probably the worst defense in the NFL right now, so maybe Zach Wilson can get back right. Um, this isn't relevant to our new show, but I will be there in attendance, so I am nice. praying Justin Fields plays uh, just so I cannot watch Trevor Simeon. All due respect to Trevor Simeon.
0: Trevor Simeon and uh and zach wilson on a weekend after thanksgiving uh that's a fascinating matchup yeah hopefully for your sake and for everyone's sake justin fields is healthy and can play in that game a couple other injuries falcons tight end kyle pitts has an mcl injury could wind up being season ending and the giants know that wide receiver Wandell robinson is out for the season with a torn acl obviously very unfortunate news about kyle pitts i wonder how this Wandale Robinson injury affects Odell Beckham landing in New York one way or the other. You could say on one hand, okay, yeah, the giants now need him even more, but I also kind of feel like if Wandale Robinson is not in that offense, obviously Kenny Galladay has struggled a lot. Darius Slayton's playing well, but I feel like so much attention would be drawn to Odell Beckham. And if it's only a one-year deal or a short-term deal, I don't know how much that would help Odell Beckham for the future signing with the Giants because quite honestly, they've played well this season. They have a good record, but I don't think that anyone really thinks of them as serious Super Bowl contenders this year anyway.
1: If they do, they're delusional uh, because they most certainly are not. Uh, I also think I thought you were going to go here was, look, the Giants have now lost Sterling Shepard and Wandell Robinson to non-contact ACL tears because they have the slit film turf on there. Not just because, but, you know, data shows that is the worst turf you can have. It's what players were tweeting about last week. If anyone saw that, you know, hey, it's our time to make a stand and change this. The giants and MetLife stadium are one of the five teams that have this turf and they now lost two guys in that position. Oh, no, Beckham jr. Cannot be taking that risk right. of having another non-contact knee injury. But yeah, the team is also just bad. They were exposed as the frauds. They are against the <laughs> Detroit lions. They're, they're not, I mean, I'm not sure. They're not a good team. If you thought right. they were, you, I don't know what you were watching, but nevertheless, I think the Dallas Cowboys also just absolutely destroying the Minnesota Vikings yeah. probably make it a really strong case to get Odell Beckham Jr.'s talents down to Dallas. I know that'll be a heartbreaker for Giants fans, obviously, in that NFC East. But I'll say this, too. I think it makes them maybe the best team in the NFC, and including yep. the Philadelphia Eagles in their division, including all the other teams in the NFC. I think if they do get Odell Beckham Jr. in the fold, there's a case to be made. They're the best team on both sides of the ball in the entire conference.
0: Yeah, I can certainly see that case being made. Also, with the Giants, you know, yeah, uh, I think it was reported that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to take visits with the Giants and the Cowboys. I think Jake Glazer in a mailbag video today said that, you know, Odell might not actually wind up signing with the team until December at some point. So still it could be a while before that happens. But I also think that a recent push by the commanders, I don't know if they'll be able to keep this up as well. But, I mean, if the Commanders, the commanders play the Giants twice in these upcoming weeks – is getting chase young back off of injured reserve he was activated today like there's a possibility that the commanders win one or both of those games and then suddenly the giants are where the commanders are right now and on, on the outside looking in even at a playoff spot so that nfc east is so loaded right now that pretty much anything can happen down there at the bottom of it before the season is over uh one last piece of news here Jeff Okuda, the Lions cornerback, and Vikings left tackle Christian Darrisaw both suffered concussions, or at least were in concussion protocol yesterday. That means that they will miss Thursday's games. Lions playing the Bills, Vikings playing the Patriots. Then Matthew Stafford also entered concussion protocol uh in week 11 seems pretty unlikely that he will now play since this is his second concussion in two or three weeks of the Rams which is obviously really unfortunate Matthew Stafford was playing very well in that game before he was removed uh with the concussion but yeah you don't want to deal with a situation like Tua was in recently um where you're dealing with multiple concussions in in just a few weeks
1: no, and that's the same case with saw He was in concussion protocol and came out of it for this game against Dallas and then went right back into it. Yep. Um, yeah, yep. uh, your Washington Point's great, by the way. I mean, Chase Young, I think he is a bit underrated. 87.2 great as a rookie, uh, maybe not as great as a sophomore season, but you get him back and the Giants lose Adoree Jackson, which is arguably as big, if not right. bigger, a loss than Wondell Robinson. But, yeah, I don't think any of these pl- these players are going to play on Thanksgiving, <laughs> um, that being Okuda and Christian Derrissaw. The Akuda loss for the Lions against, you know, Stephon Diggs and the Buffalo bills is obviously massive he is by far the best cornerback on that team obviously it's not saying a ton but their defense is playing a lot better I mean Lee McNeil and and Aiden Hutchinson were great on the defensive line for them this past week and they've started to kind of stack some solid performances together on defense and yeah Stafford if I'm the Rams I mean they're not going to do this because they're the Rams and McVay but like I wouldn't play Stafford or Cooper Cup again this season I really wouldn't
0: right yeah no i think that that would probably be smart given all of their struggles so far this season uh we're gonna get into one up one down in a minute here but pffy are sponsored by western and southern financial group will you focus on your roster moves western and southern helps advance your money moves buying your first home, planning to start a family, learning how to make your money grow. Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day, team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Uh, I'll kick it off first with my, with my one up, and that will be, Interior defender Aleem McNeil, you just mentioned him for the Detroit Lions. I tweeted out a stat, or I've actually tweeted out a stat a couple times now about New York Giants defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence, how he was number one among defenders who weigh over 320 pounds in pressures in a single game. I know that sounds kind of convoluted, but it's really not. Pressures in a game, defender weighing over 320 pounds, Dexter Lawrence had eight earlier this season he had nine i think it was just last week well alim mcneil had 10 this week against the new york giants uh going up against shane lemieux just coming back from a pretty catastrophic injury but still alim mcneil had one sack a couple of qb hits 10 total pressures he weighs about 325 pounds so he's not quoted that weight limit that dexter lawrence is at 342 pounds so dexter lawrence still has those records for over 330 over 340 but aleem mcneil in the pff era since 2006 most pressures any single game by any defender weighing over the 320 pounds and he was dominant in this game uh, we haven't really seen that much of that from him early in his career he's certainly been a good player but if he can build on this and be that impactful and that explosive in the middle of that Lions defense then uh yeah that defense certainly could improve as the season goes along as well
1: brad who's your one up this week my one-up was a guy we saw in primetime last night and that is los angeles chargers wide receiver josh palmer obviously they had a you know depressing loss at the end of the game there but yeah. i thought our fearless leader chris collins just made a great point in this game he was talking about how when you have injuries. Not only getting guys experience, just playing and, and being more of a focal point in the offense, but Josh Palmer was basically serving as the number one wide receiver. For the Chargers for the last couple of games with Mike Williams out. Of course, Keenan Allen hasn't played in forever. And now that he's back to being the number three or was last night, I guess number two for the second half once Mike Williams went out. But you can tell, like, he, he learned so much and gained so much experience going up against number one corners, probably having safety shaded over to his side of the field. That now that he's going up against, you know, number two and number three options, he's going to produce. He had eight catches for 105 yards, two touchdowns. The one was. I guess you could say a busted coverage, but still, I mean, burned a guy on the outside for that first early touchdown, that bomb that Justin Herbert probably threw 75 yards in the air on an absolute rope. Um, and then his other t- you know, touchdown though, in the end zone, Um, great catch in traffic. I think he had two contested catches in the game forced a miss tackle right on the right side of the field and kind of, you know, shook a guy. So just looked really, really good. And I think, it just, it goes so far when you have tertiary options. We've talked a lot about the Buffalo Bills, the Dallas Cowboys, and these teams where, of course, you want to have a great top two, right. but having these tertiary options can go so far for you. And if Palmer can emerge as one of those guys with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, this Chargers offense could be really, really, really good the next you know, one, one, two years.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's imperative to obviously get Mike Williams and Keenan Allen back fully healthy, but yeah, that is a very solid Uh, three wide receivers that they could have there after Josh Palmer. Uh, One other guy who deserves a shout out, just real quick, Jacoby Brissett. He had six big-time throws this week in their loss to the Buffalo Bills. That is twice as many as guys like Zach Wilson and Daniel Jones have on the entire season. Daniel Jones and Zach Wilson both only have three big-time throws this season. There were some other quarterbacks in there as well. But uh, talking about our one-down I'm going to go with 2022 first-round pick, 15th overall, Kenyon Green. He just can't seem uh, to get going this season. And, you know, there's some signs of life for him. A couple weeks ago, played pretty decently against Philadelphia Eagles, but had a really tough time against Jonathan Allen and that Commander's defense Uh, Pulling up his stats right now, he allowed five total pressures, two sacks, two QB hits, one hurry. He's now allowed 34 pressures on the season, four sacks, nine QB hits, and um, a, a defender who was recently released, I think from the Texans practice squad, Jaleel Johnson, tweeted during that game that the Texans were playing that the Texans got mad at him for going too hard against Kenyon Green and Scott Quisenberry. in practice. he since deleted the tweet, so I'm not sure the validity of it, uh, but if that's true, then I think they need some defenders going up to, uh, harder against guys like Kenyon Green and Scott Quisenberry in practice because both of those players have really struggled. That really has been the Texans' fatal flaw. Obviously, they've got quite a few of them, but one of their fatal flaws is there in the middle of their offensive line. And the Texans kind of reach for Kenyon Green, uh, taking a guard 15th overall. I think there was some surprise that he went before a guy like Zion Johnson, but other interior offensive linemen like Zion Johnson, like Cole Strange, have certainly played better than Kenyon Green so far this season.
1: Yeah, the one clip, the video of Jonathan Allen literally just walking him back into Davis Mills' lap was one of the worst yes. reps of the season. Yeah. Not to pile on the guy, like you said, a bit of a reach. I mean, I think he was a player where he was an all All American before his last year in college. Moved around positions a bunch, played some tackle, played some mm-hmm. interior, and so you know it kind of went both ways, to where maybe it was a reach, maybe it was more of a. You know we don't know we don't know type of thing but obviously off to a terrible terrible start so far in his nfl career i mean he's playing out next to the one of the best left tackles in the nfl too and larry Tunsil. so um you know anyway uh my one down for this week i was shocked by this result i think it is the most surprising stat of the entire weekend and that is new york giants running back saquon barkley with 22 rushing yards on 15 carries against yeah. the detroit lions deep run defense that has been dead last in epa per rush allowed Pretty much the entire season. I actually think they're no longer last because of this game, but just super surprised by that. He also had a drop in this game, and it looks like he had a lot of pressure um, when he was in path protection as well. So just shocking because his prop coming of the game was over 193 and a half rushing yards, I wanna say, which is as high as it gets. Like, I, I know he's leading the NFL in rushing yards, or he was uh, for a stretch of this season, but that's still. A sky high prop, and it's because of how bad the Lions' defensive line and, and defense is, and he couldn't do anything all day. So that was just say, you know, we already piled on Zach Wilson enough. So I figured I'd pivot over to the other New York team. Just a surprising, surprising result. There were some like truly
0: dismal performances by running backs this week. Saquon Barkley among them, but uh Kenyon Drake also targeted four times, dropped two passes for the Ravens, uh, only had seven receiving yards and forty-six rushing yards, and then also Another young player, you hate to pile on them too much, but Chuba Hubbard for the Carolina Panthers. Carried the ball four times for no game, dropped a pass, and let up a sack in pass protection. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, yeah, how else was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Like, it it was a pretty dreadful performance from Chuba Hubbard there for the Carolina Panthers, but hopefully he can bounce back from that. Um, All right, let's talk about Monday night's game. We'll talk about this last so that anyone who's listening to this post monday night football can turn off the podcast and tune out but this is a good time to remind everyone to subscribe to the pff wire podcast on apple and spotify if you don't want to watch us if you want to listen to us instead 49ers versus cardinals this game is in mexico city as we mentioned earlier uh uh, kyler murray reportedly will not play in this game I mentioned it earlier, 49ers very wisely practiced in Colorado Springs to get used to the altitude. The Arizona Cardinals did not. I mentioned this on last week's show. In 2017, Patriots practiced all week in Colorado Springs. The then Oakland Raiders did not, and the Patriots blew them completely out of the water, and there was guys huffing and puffing on the sidelines because they had no idea what they were getting into altitude-wise. I will tell you personally, I was at that game in Mexico City, and I, for some reason, like getting down to the the field level at any you know U.S. stadium is pretty easy. You take an elevator down, you find your way on the field, you show uh, a credential, whatever it is. In Mexico City, it was nearly impossible because all of the stands are kind of separated. I think by uh, by like class and all that kind of stuff. But I had to walk around Stadium Azteca like like 10 times trying to find my way into the stadium. And I felt like I was absolutely going to die. And clearly I'm not uh, in the shape of an NFL player, but simply like walking around the stadium made me feel like I was going to throw up. So uh, very smart for the 49ers to practice at altitude. The line in this game, at least on uh, our green line is the 49ers by nine and a half points. The point total is 43 Personally, I'm feeling the 49ers in this one, Uh, but I do agree with you that I feel like there's, I don't know, Colt McCoy, obviously you want Kyler Murray to be playing quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, but I feel like there's like maybe like a slightly higher floor if you got Colt McCoy out there in this game.
1: I think, particularly with a hamstring injury, like if it was a less than 100% Kyle Murray, I totally agree with you because, yeah, you're going to have turnover worthy plays, and the Niners defense is going to take advantage of all the, you know, they they convert turnover worthy plays into turnovers. Uh, you know, so I see it from that perspective, no question. Uh, that leads me to my favorite prop of the night, which is DeAndre Hopkins over six and a half receptions. I think Khalil McCoy is going to feed him like you've never seen. The loss of Zach Ertz is underrated as well for the Cardinals. Yep. Yes, they have rookie tight end Trey McBride uh, and a couple other options. We talked about Max Williams and some others. Yeah, if they maybe
0: Max Williams. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, but I still just think he's going to th- – I know Hopkins was not 100% coming into this game, but – you know, is good to go tonight. According to multiple reports should be. And I think we'll just be fed the entire afternoon. The Niners don't really have a top number one outside corner. Travarius Ward is, but hasn't been hundred percent healthy. And I think that with Deandre Hopkins it doesn't really matter. I mean, Ward's a good player, but Deandre Hopkins is Deandre Hopkins. So that is my favorite bet of the night. Cause they're also probably going to be down the entire game and trailing. So game script is going to lead to a ton of passes. Most of which I think are going in Deandre Hopkins direction.
0: Um, you, you you do say that, and I agree with you. Game script will uh, determine that. I still kind of like James Conner over 14 and a half carries. Um, you know, they just waved, you know, Benjamin. They really like to lean on just that one running back there. And I feel like at least early in the game, they will try to feed James Conner as much as possible because that's going to be one of the strengths for them um, is kind of leaning on that dependable running back. It's also one that PFF Green Line doesn't necessarily like, but there's a 0.0% edge, which is better than most, uh, which are, are negative edges there on PFF Green Line. So not necessarily going with a positive percentile there. But uh, yeah, I, I take the over on 14.5 carries. But overall, I think I just i like the 49ers in this game, uh, favored by 9.5 points. Um, and we had a. I, I I haven't done, like, our, our full record or anything on this, but we, we kind of had an idea of what we were talking about this week as far as betting goes. We, we thought that line in the Panthers-Ravens uh, game was a little bit too high. That wound up coming to fruition uh, we like the Patriots against the Jets that wound up working out pretty well for us so some of the games that we felt strong most strongly about I feel like we we hit on this week at least
1: oh we've actually done pretty well I haven't truly tracked it and ran it all down but it's with the props when we talk about primetime matchups we've done we're definitely above 500 on the season uh, so yeah uh, hopefully we can now we're jinxing ourselves hopefully we continue <laughs> that streak uh, dive into the numbers and, and find some good bets for y'all
0: yeah, I, I'm not sure if I feel you know, quite as strongly about this game as I did about um, about those, those games that I previously mentioned, but that's also easy for me to say since uh, both of those did hit. So that I think will do it for today's PFF wire podcast. Unless Brad, you had anything else to add to us add to
1: this Ooh, kind of random, but I want to quickly answer the question from yeah. Julian Altabelli on the chat. And this is kind of an aside, but yes, you know, I mentioned Aaron Rodgers going to the jets. And he says, how can you pull that off? The Packers would have right, 90 yeah. million in dead money. So the, the dead money currently listed on the only salary cap website in existence over the cap.com. It assumes the option is going to be exercise for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, It is a fully guaranteed option. If it's not exercised, it becomes a fully guaranteed salary of that amount. So whoever has the rights to Aaron Rodgers is going to exercise that option. But if he's traded before that option is exercised and the Packers or X team, the Jets, have until the day before week one of 2023 begins, to exercise that option. So it would only be about $40 million in dead money if the, hypothetically the Packers trade Aaron Rodgers and a new team picks up that $58.3 million option. So that is how it is. You know, uh, half joking, but it is feasible. And if, if the Packers want to go separate ways, um, that would be how they do that.
0: Uh, a couple other things in here. I thought this one was funny from just Robert. Sam Darnold wasn't great, but comparing him to Zach Wilson <laughs> is not right. Uh, one of my buddies who works for the Boston Herald, Andrew Callahan, compared... Zach Wilson to Rex Grossman before this game and even tweeted something about it during the game. I didn't actually reply to his tweet, but I wanted to say, like, there have been a lot of mean things said about Rex Grossman. But comparing him to Zach Wilson might be among the meanest. I mean, Rex Grossman went to a Super Bowl. I know it wasn't great. Uh, but then there was one more in here. Thomas Hancock said, Gino. And this was for the Jets. Uh Yeah, I don't think that Geno Smith's really going to be looking to rejoin the Jets. Uh, Sam Darnold is another free agent. Don't think the Jets will want to be reuniting with Sam Darnold as well. So it is kind of funny that two of of the top 10, 15, whatever free agent quarterbacks are failed draft picks for the Jets. And one other note, just while we're pying on the Jets and, and crapping on them the way we are, I tweeted out some grades from every single Jets quarterback who has played in the PFF era which is since 2006 i think the highest graded quarterback in that time span was Brett Favre with like a 64 PFF grade like it's you really cannot overstate how absolutely horrible the Jets quarterback situation has been over the last 15 20 years um obviously uh, Pennington was the best quarterback uh, that the jets have had in the last 20 years, but he was not very good. And he was injury prone and all those things in 2006, 2007. So basically since BFF began, the jets have not had a good quarterback. And I mean, I was covering those Patriots teams that was going up against the jets in like 2015, 2016, I think Bryce Petty was, was like the, the nadir for the jets quarterback situation. Uh, but it really has not been getting much better since then.
1: Just to pivot A little bit back to my Chicago bears. Cause you mentioned Rex Grossman. We did a study once, not a, a study makes it sound like it's more important than what it is. We looked up the lowest quarterback grades in wins and Rex Grossman had three of the top 10. So, <laughs> uh, you know, he won a lot of games, but the defense was, you know, historically good. He, he has some box scores that made me question as a kid, why I was watching this sport uh, just so <laughs> not fully pile on the jets. But Hey, you mentioned Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers following his footsteps, a couple fake retirements, oh, go to the jets. Like, come on. <laughs> i
0: like it i like it i i, and I liked uh i liked to at the university of florida obviously his nfl career uh did not pan out that well but keep it on pff.com for all of your news analysis uh, uh make sure to subscribe to the pff what am i saying here make sure to subscribe to pff plus i went to like autopilot mode there for a second uh make sure to subscribe to pff plus at 79.99 a year download the pff app Follow Brad on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. Follow me on Twitter at Doug Codd. I mentioned it earlier. Subscribe to the PFF Wire podcast. This was what I was about to say on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And we will talk to you guys again on Wednesday right around this same time.